You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, or like always, you can follow on the screen. We're in a uh, series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, Next week, I hope to finish it up with the last three, and I'll say something about that at the uh, end of the service. But today, we're on the seventh commandment, and it's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, a very short commandment. It says, you shall not commit adultery. In 1631, royal printers in London did a reprint of the King James Bible, and it turned out great except for one little mistake by the proofreaders. And it was in Exodus chapter 20, this very verse, 14, the seventh commandment. That little word, not, was left out of the commandment. Thou shall commit adultery. Now, it didn't say how many times you should commit it, but it did say thou shalt commit adultery. And they were horrified. True story, okay? And most of the Bibles were destroyed, but there are still a few out there today which has been in circulation that became a huge collector's item. In fact, they're very popular collector items with politicians. It's true. It's true. That little word, not, is a very important word, isn't it? Whenever God gives us a negative in Scripture, there is always a positive purpose behind it. Not to cause us pain, but to prevent pain in our lives. Nothing destroys families faster than adultery. And God says, this is my protection plan for the family. Don't commit adultery. Now, I know just the mention of the word adultery brings back memories of pain and shame for some. And that's not the purpose of this message. As I said last Sunday, if you've asked God to forgive you for a sin, you are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can walk into a new day following God's way and God's standard. It's not about the past. So this message is about the grace of God moving into the future under God's protection plan for relationships and the family. Jesus explained the seventh commandment to help us understand it as not just an outward action. We talked last week that Jesus talked about outward actions, but mostly the inward action. Jesus took it to a whole new level in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 27. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Jesus says, You're all focused on the outward action. Don't commit 
adultery. But he said, if you look lustfully at another woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. So he was taking it to another level. He was saying, yes, adultery is devastating. It devastates marriages and families and lives, but lust can be just as devastating. Then he says, I'm so serious enough, I'm so serious about this, that you must gouge out your eye. That makes a pretty good point, doesn't it? You see, there's no way that we're going to be able to stay strong and overcome the lure of lust in our culture today unless we get serious about putting up some guidelines. There's an old story about a seminary professor who was around 80 years old, and he had his young 20-something college assistant there that come out of college, but it was in seminary now. That was going to be his protege and take over and help him teach as he was about getting ready to retire. So he was kind of training him up. And so they were walking across the street to get some lunch, and this beautiful, young, gorgeous lady walked out in front of him, and the young man lost his train of thought, kind of stammered, and he kept watching her. Then he realized what had happened. He was just so embarrassed, and he blurted out, I can't wait until I'm old enough where that kind of stuff doesn't affect me anymore. And the old professor just smiled and said, me too. <laughs> you understand, it's every person's battle, this battle with lust. The only way we can overcome it is by putting up guardrails and getting serious like Jesus said. Gouging your eye out is pretty serious, isn't it? Well, this morning I want to talk about how to win the battle over lust. First of all, commit to God's standard. Commit to God's standard instead of the culture's standard. God's standard has always been the same. Did you know that? That means we must agree with what God says about sex. Sex is a beautiful, sacred gift that God created, so it's not bad or wrong. It's not dirty. In fact, it's beautiful. It's sacred to be used for enjoyment in the marriage relationship. But outside of the marriage, it's destructive. That's God's standards. That's what God's Word says. It's always been the same. Before marriage, it's a sin. It's a beautiful, sacred gift of God for the marriage relationship only. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. You will live according to the world or according to the word. You cannot live both ways. You live, we will live according to Christ or according to culture. And what Christ is saying here is counterculture because the whole culture is going one way. And Christ is saying, no, that's not the way. I know what's best for you. You need to go this way. And it will prevent a lot of pain in your life. God's standard is very clear here. Adultery is always wrong. It's always a sin. Some of you may be thinking, well, my wife or my husband is not always meeting my needs. That's no excuse to go out and sin. Adultery is always devastating. Lust is always 
destructive. But here's the good news. Regardless of your past failures, today you can make a commitment to God's standard and say, God, I believe what your word says. I want to commit to your standard. When it comes to the gift of sex, I commit today to follow your way. Forgive me, and you can be totally cleansed and get a fresh start today. There's no need for guilt because of what God has done on the cross in the shedding of his blood. And one of the things about being a pastor is all the weddings that I get to do. I also love that before you can get married at LBT, you have to go through premarital counseling sessions. Not about how to have a beautiful wedding, because we know that everyone is going to work that out. But it's about how to have a beautiful marriage that lasts. And so we require people to go through that. We tell them, you do it God's way, and he'll make all the difference in your marriage. Get started God's way. And it's not too late to do that. And eight or nine out of ten people will say, you know what? I kind of knew this stuff in my heart, and we want to do that. We really want to build our marriage on God. We want to do this right. We're going to do whatever it takes. From this day forth, we're going to make a commitment to God's standard. It's amazing to see because we, they see that we love them. We care about them. And we want to help them build their marriage on Christ. You see, culture changes constantly. We're seeing that like we've never seen it before. Culture changes constantly. And it's usually not for the best, but God's way never changes. And it's always for the best. So first, commit to God's standard. But the second thing is to really consider the consequences. To look past the lure of lust and see the consequences of the hook. You've got to see the devastating consequences of lust. Satan is an expert at casting temptation into our lives, isn't he? And one of his favorite lures is lust. And there's always a progression that he uses. First, he personalizes the lure. Now, a good fisherman knows that he needs different types of lures to catch different types of fish in different types of conditions. So in his tackle box are many different types of lures to catch different fish. But Satan will pick out a personalized lure because he knows where we're vulnerable. And he tries to exploit that. He knows what temptation gets to us. By the way, temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted but never sinned. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Men, it's not a sin to notice a beautiful woman walk past. It's a sin to keep noticing the beautiful woman that walked past. It's not a sin to have a thought come into your mind. You can't help the thoughts that come into your mind sometimes. Crazy thoughts in your mind. But you can decide whether you're going to focus on that thought. That's where the sin comes in. It's giving in to temptation. Not only does he personalize the lure, but then Satan casts the lure. And he's doing this for thousands of years. He's been doing it for thousands of years. And he's a patient fisherman. 
He never quits. And when you let your guard down, that's when you fall because he will keep casting the lure of temptation in front of you. But then he will work the lure. I mean, when I go fishing, especially top water fishing, you can make these things do all kinds of things and twitching. And some of you know all of this. You work the lure. You'll try to get your attention. It may be a co-worker who starts paying attention to you. You start flirting with that co-worker. It may be that you're in a hotel room or on a business trip, all alone in a city where no one knows you. It may be having your laptop computer or now these days your iPhone next to you, all alone, and you know that pornography is one click away. Then once you take the bait, he sets the hook. Now, a good fisherman waits for the fish, waits for the fish to really take the bait. And the fish doesn't even know that he's even been hooked or that the end is near. Some of you, many of you know Steve Clapper. Steve is an expert bass fisherman, and he loves to go to Lake Erie. Now he loves it so much he moved to Lake Erie, and he bass fishes, mainly smallmouth. Now, I grew up largemouth because you got to be around cold water to have smallmouth fishing. So when I came here, I wanted him to teach me how to smallmouth fish. You still catch largemouth. But the thing that Steve taught me that was so important was waiting, waiting, waiting. And as you, I've told you for my eight years here, I hate to wait, I hate to wait, I hate to wait. I'm impatient. And so I had to learn that with him. And that's the trick of all of that. You have to wait, and then you set the hook. See, the fish thinks, again, that he's got that lure, and he's taken off, but a good fisherman will just wait until it's really taken the bait, and then, boom, he sets the fish, and then he reels that fish in. That's what Satan does. Many times, when you play around with lust, you think that's just an innocent flirtation. You just think, maybe, you know, I'm just listening to this woman share her marriage problems. I'm listening to this man share his marriage problems. We're just good friends. You see, it starts innocently, but then, boom, Satan sets the hook, and he reels you in, and he doesn't practice catch and release with the lure of lust. You understand that? Today, a lot of fishermen practice catch and release, but not Satan. Because he will put you on his trophy, listen, he'll put you in his trophy room as an exhibit to someone else who has destroyed, have been destroyed by the lure of lust. It's another catch. And on his trophy room, he will have doctors, lawyers, homemakers, and athletes. He has everyone from presidents to pastors on his trophy room wall who have been enticed and destroyed by the lure of lust, and it always starts out innocently. I really don't think anybody wakes up each morning and says, I'm going to commit adultery today. You see, Satan gets our attention, and then boom, he sets the hook. That's why it says in James chapter 1, verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death, emotional death, 
Nothing destroys emotions quicker than lust. He's talking about relational death. By the way, adultery is the ultimate in selfishness. Adultery is saying, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. I'm going to make, I'm going to do what makes me happy regardless of what God says about it or who it hurts. I'm going to do what I feel like regardless of how it's going to hurt my spouse or my kids. Doesn't that sound selfish? I'm going to do what makes me happy right now. But what you don't even realize is Satan is getting ready to set the hook and reel you in because lust always destroys. But God wants you to be holy. And that's why you young people in here who are single and not married, whatever age you are, you need to understand you need to keep yourself pure until the day you get married. You need to do that. And it's hard. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm 62 years old. And I have no idea how hard it is to grow up in your day, in your age. When you have everything right here at the click of a button. And it can start out instantly. You can click on something and have the wrong picture to come up. I remember back when one of my daughters was about seven or eight. And they were doing a... Uh, a study on Australia. And uh, I had to type in the word Australia. And I missed a letter. And it wasn't no kangaroo that popped up. And something popped up on that screen. And I just had to take my daughter and just pretty much throw her out of the room. You understand what I'm saying? And you get something in your mind. I don't care who you are. Sometimes it can happen innocently like that. But you've got to understand today. Satan has got all of these different kind of weapons. That's why Psalms 4.2 says, How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Idols always leave us empty because they're a cheap imitation of the real thing, but they can't satisfy your deepest hunger. Now, when a fish looks at the lure, he thinks, man, that looks really good. I mean, that looks like it's going to, you know, fulfill my hunger. That's going to satisfy me. Then he takes the lure and the fisherman sets the hook, and he realizes that lure didn't satisfy at all. It's just a cheap imitation of the real thing. It looked like it would satisfy his hunger, but it didn't satisfy him at all. It just brings destruction. Look at this. Lust is a cheap imitation of love, and that's why lust never satisfies See, the difference between lust and love is that love satisfies. Lust just leaves you more empty. The more you act in lust, the more empty you feel. Love fills you. Lust leaves you empty. Lust always says, what can I get and how can I get it right now? Love says, what can I give? I'll wait to receive. I just want to give. I want to do what's right. That's what love is all about. Lust never, ever satisfies. The real hunger that's in your heart that God placed there is intimacy. What everyone really wants is intimacy. And lust can never satisfy. You know why? Because it's the opposite of intimacy. Pornography is gratification without intimacy. That's why Pornography never, ever satisfies. 
In ancient times, the idols were these golden images. In our times, the idols are images on the internet. And images do not satisfy. Intimacy satisfies. And intimacy, intimacy comes out of a deep and lasting commitment. You understand this morning. You can't have intimacy unless you have a deep and lasting commitment. And commitment because it fuels the fire, the fire of sexual passion. Most people don't understand that in our culture today. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit, by the, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Next is guard your mind. Then guard your mind against the progression of lust. See, we think a little lust is no big deal, but there's always a progression. So I've got to get radical about protecting myself from lust. The first part of the progression is attention. Attention. See, Satan gets our attention with the lure of lust. We think a little lust is no big deal, like I said. But look, he does this. He gets our attention with the lure of lust, and it always starts in our mind, the way we think. You can't help the thoughts that come into your mind, but when you focus on the wrong things, it starts taking effect and moves to the next thing, attraction. Attraction. You don't just fall into morality. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. Did you hear that? We hear that all the time. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. It may look like it, but it started long before that in someone's mind. Then from there, they focused on it. You don't just be a moral, upright person one day and an immoral person the next day and just fall into adultery. It does not work that way. It's a progression. And if you stop it early on, you'll never have to worry about falling into adultery. The attraction for, uh, phase is really that emotional involvement. It's when you start letting someone other than your husband or wife start meeting some of your emotional needs. That's why I talk all the time, Lori and I, we have multiple counseling appointments. We've got one last week, got one this week, one or two the next. But what I'm saying is, what happens is we tell them, you go where you get stroked. Some of you ladies, you could have earrings that hang down here. You could have your hair that's very long, cut off here, and your husband never recognizes it. And then somebody comes up, oh, those are lovely earrings. Oh, man, that, that hair is so nice the way you got it cut short. And guess what? They're stroking you. They're not maybe even hitting on you, really. They're just giving you a compliment. But you're not getting that at home, you understand? But that desire is getting fed. Your emotional tank is getting filled, and boom, before you know it, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. Some of you, listen, don't you know that almost all affairs occur between best friends? Study after study shows that. Why? Because people put themselves in places, in these places, and they think nothing of it. A lot of times we just say, man, we're just good friends. It's no big deal. You see, they get into an emotional affair 
where they let their attention get so focused on someone other than their spouse. Some of you are in an emotional affair right now. You're letting someone other than your spouse meet some deep emotional needs. Can I give you some good advice? Get out while you can. Get out before it destroys you. And then, of course, the last stage is addiction. Satan sets the hook. It turns into addiction. When you cross the line physically into adultery, it's so hard to come back because you're already on that road. But you know what God says? God says this. You can break free. Today is a new day with my power. But you're going to have to put up these guardrails. I have seen too many marriages destroyed. And too many kids' lives messed up by the lure of lust. So let me ask you. How do you get serious? Write this down. Get serious about guarding your eyes. Okay? Get serious first by guarding your eyes. We've got to get, that's what we have to do first. And that's very, very serious. Job 31.1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Get serious about some eye control. Your eyes are flesh and they want to look so you need God's spirit to give you the strength to get serious about it and give a little eye control to you. Next, get serious about guarding your heart. Get serious about guarding your heart. Write that down. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Far from it flow the springs of life. See, it affects your whole life. To guard your heart means you don't set your affection on lust. You don't let someone else start winning your heart other than your spouse. That means no flirting. That's the way it always starts. I've counseled so many people whose lives have been devastated by adultery. And it always starts with listening to a friend's marriage problems or a little flirtation. Then it just progressed. They can remember back when they said, we're just friends. It's no big deal. Always. Don't be deceived. You've got to say, I'm not going to do that. Then we guard our minds. Get serious about guarding your mind. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you come to Christ, you're a new creation, but you still have the flesh. We're still on this earth, and it's a broken, sinful world. And your brain is just a piece of flesh. You know that, don't you? It's an amazing, contemplated, listen, just complicated piece of flesh. But you have these old ruts in your mind, these old habit patterns of lust. And they have to be renewed daily. I say you need to fill in those ruts with God's Word. The latest brain science says this is true. But the Bible has said it all along. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
and don't get conformed to the culture. You change and become what you think about, what you meditate on, and what you memorize. When you have new ways of thinking, new ways of acting, the synapses in your brain connect in different ways, and your brain changes physiologically. It's amazing. So you need to meditate on God's Word this morning, on God's truth. And so I want you to meditate on that verse, Romans 12, 2, this week. Memorize it and start thinking about the truth. Then your brain will begin to change and your actions will change and then feed the love. Two more things and we're done. Fourth, feed the love. Feed the love. The best way to affair-proof any marriage is to be so in love with each other. Work on your marriage and meet each other's needs. Nourish your marriage as, so that it sizzles. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is not greener. Y'all hear me? On the other side of the fence. The grass is greener wherever you water it. Someone once said, marriage is like taking a hot bath. Once you've been in a while, it ain't hot anymore. I just say, you just need to keep adding some hot water. Amen? Keep working on your marriage. Don't neglect your marriage. Meet your spouse's needs. The goal in mine and Lori's marriage is to make our grass so green that everyone else's grass looks like it has been burned up in comparison. And that's what we do. We work on our marriage. We've been working on our marriage really hard the last few days. It's just because of things. I don't care who you are. You have to work on your marriage. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal, <laughs> conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. If you don't have conjugal rights with your uh, spouse, you need to read this verse. Okay, it's all about conjugal rights. You need to understand it. And likewise, the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. In other words, it's saying, you get, you've got to meet each other's needs. Be unselfish and meet each other's needs. The problem is we try to meet our spouse's needs based on, on what we know our needs to be. And men, they're just so very different. A great fisherman will do whatever it takes to catch a, catch a certain fish. Well, you know what he has to do? He has to think like a fish. He will go to where the fish are. And he'll get in the most difficult part of the lake to get to go. He will go off road for miles to go to that place where he knows the fish are. I mean, I've, gone, I've done these crazy things because I really wanted to catch fish. Men, he thinks like a fish. He acts like a fish. He fishes when the fish wants to eat. He puts the bait down to a depth that the fish will be at. He uses the right kind of bait. Now, sometimes when I go fishing, though, I don't catch anything. When I used to take the girls, because I wanted to fish for me. I wanted to be in the shade. Maybe the fish come over here in the shade. You understand? Maybe they'll eat this bait instead of this bait or whatever, this lure. Kids, we're going to go fishing right now because it's in, we're going to go right over here because now it's in the shade. You know, the fish, like I said, 
will probably come over there. Sometimes that's just how we are. It has nothing to do with the fish. But in a good marriage, the husband's got to think, how can I meet her needs? What does she want? And the wife is going to think, how can I meet his needs? I don't know what his needs are. I know what my needs are, but how can I meet his needs? When Lori and I do counseling, we like to talk about his needs and her needs. And those needs can be very different, so you need to talk about it. Learn and share with each other. Lastly, build in accountability. But then we need to build in accountability and avoid complacency. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says this. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's why, especially men, you need guys around you. Ladies, you need women around you. You do. A small group, maybe. A women's Bible study group. A men's Bible study group. You've got to be in with people about talking about these things because we all deal with them. So let me close this out. And then don't get complacent because Satan will keep casting the lure. It's when you think you've got it conquered that you're going to fall. Because when you admit you can fall, you get serious about the guardrails. And some of you haven't been serious about the guardrails for quite a while. You've been letting your guard down. And you're on the verge of destroying your life and your family. And I want to tell you, there is still time to get out. Now this may sound harsh, but some of you are probably right in the middle of adultery right now. In a church this size, it's almost inevitable. But God says there's hope for you. First, you've got to admit that it's a sin and it's wrong. Second, then you've got to go to God and ask God to forgive you. Then he'll cleanse you. And he will give you a new day. But you've got to start out in a new way. And you've got to break off that affair immediately. No playing around. It's got to end today. God says there's great hope for every one of us in this very room. Because every one of us needs God's grace and strength. Because this is everyone's battle. And we're all in it together. Let's pray together. Father, this morning... I would just ask that you would do a work in each person's heart here today. Lord, whether they're married, whether they're single, whatever their case may be. Because, God, if someone is messing around now in adultery, God, I pray that you would stop them in their tracks. That, God, they would be broken over that. Lord, for those who have taken the flirting to a new high, that, God, you would help them to break that off. For those, Lord, who are still out here single, that, God, you would keep them pure until the day they are married. And, God, for those who have messed up and are single, that, God, they would come to you and ask for forgiveness and start a new day today. Lord, there's so much hurt in this very room because of this thing called lust. And, God, I would come to you today and ask people just to 
Lord, just let people know that, God, they can ask for your forgiveness and you will forgive them. So, Lord, today, if there's someone that needs to come and pray for a nation that has fallen apart, Lord, to come and pray for this hurricane that's about to be at Category 5 right now or the next two hours, may have family members in harm's way, whatever they need. Lord, maybe there's couples that just need to come today and say, God, thank you for helping us to remain faithful. But, God, we're no dummies. Lord, we know that Satan is real. Would you help us continue to remain faithful? Maybe that needs to happen today. I don't know, Lord. If there's someone that needs to come and know you as Lord and Savior, that that will be the day to day. So God, have your way in this service today. I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.